On the virtual Bible study tonight, we want to talk about the Christian and his responsibility to civil government. A lot of to talk about politics these days. We've got a new president. And what is our obligation to civil government? Does God want us to have any uh, relationship to civil government? And if so, how should that look? We're going to talk about that on the program tonight. should be an interesting discussion. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will get started right after this. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and we welcome you to the virtual bible study for thursday march 2nd 2017 we're glad that you're here with us tonight and uh, we look forward to hearing from you lots of ways you can participate on the program Give us a call at 877-381-4567 that's toll free 877-381-4567 you can send an email to questions at collegeview.com. Questions at collegeview.com is the way you get in touch with us over email. And then if you're watching us live from our video feed on uh, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, there's a chat window to the bottom of your video feed. You can sh- sign in and chat with other listeners there. We're on Facebook and on YouTube as well. You can use the chat windows you see there to send your comments in uh, via Facebook as well. Uh, to join in the discussion tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight Good on to the Virtual Bible Good to be with you and look forward to an interesting discussion. Before we get started, I think we've got some bumper stickers, if listeners would like to help us get the word out there. Yeah, we'd love to get people to put a little bumper sticker on their car. They're not big. They're not obtrusive. You can stick them on the back window. That's where I like to put They'll them. Come off when Don't you get mess tired. up your paint. Don't yeah. mess up your paint. But you come off when you get we tired. Got, we got two kinds. One's a small oval that says the virtual Bible study. The other is a, a skinny little long strip about an, a foot long, but only about an inch and a half tall. And, uh, and they're all they're either either one of them free. We'd, we'd love you to get you they one. They only cost you an email. Send us an email to questions at collegeview.com with your mailing address, and we'll get those into the mail to you tonight. Exactly right. Uh, and uh, behind the controls tonight, uh, Josh McCord is here. Josh, welcome to the program. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good and to be wh- here. Which bumper sticker are you sporting? I've got the, yeah, the we've skinny, got the small, the long skinny one. Yes. All right. How's it working for you? It's good. Good. Guys are testimonial right there. Good. I appreciate you being here to help us out tonight, Josh. Josh's first uh, go with the new uh, equipment tonight. So right. uh, let's hope it goes good. All right. Well, we're getting a lot of news out of Washington D.C. I mean, lots of news. I, I don't know about our listeners, but I actually almost feel overwhelmed. Even today, there were just a, a barrage of of uh, political news out of Washington D.C. And I think people are pretty worked up, you know. I mean, people getting pretty frustrated on on all sides of the political spectrum. And uh, I don't know. It just seems like a rather uneasy time in our country. And so we thought it might be a good discussion to go to the Bible and sort of make sure we're well-grounded and rooted there in what God says about his people and how they ought to relate to civil government. All right. Uh, and the the instructions and the comments from the scriptures on the subject of our relationship to civil government are not sparse. There are many. And uh, so it is clearly important to God how we respond to civil government. And it is worth our uh, investigation of this important topic because 
Well, the world's uh, view of government and their uh, attitude towards government often doesn't line up with what the scriptures teach. Well, that's true. I think that's exactly right. And and if we are God-fearing people, our main concern is to be right with God in all things. And this is just one particular of the Christian life. All right. And uh, we've got to make sure that the world does not influence our thinking. If we listen to folks around us, the folks at work, the folks in the neighborhood, uh, the folks in the PTA, etc., uh, they're going to influence our thinking in ways that uh, likely are not in accordance with the Scriptures. So it's important for us to go back to the Scriptures and reset our perspective and make it line up with the perspective God has outlined for us. Uh, what we do every Thursday about 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock on Thursday uh, in the morning, we send out an update to those on our email update list. And if you're not on that list, you can be on it by simply sending us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Just say, add me to the list. And if you're on our list, you will get the update telling you about our topic for discussion that night and given some questions that we hope to cover by way of discussion. And we did that earlier today and told that our topic would be the relationship of Christians to the civil government. And here are the questions we ask. Number one, Romans 13, beginning verse 1, says that, quote, the powers that be are ordained of God. Yep. I think that's one of our principal passages that we use to yeah. suggest the importance of civil government and God's ordaining of civil government. But a question that often comes up is, how do we explain evil governments like Nazi Germany usually is the typical example. If, if the powers that be are ordained of God, what about somebody like Nazi Germany? Right. So let's talk about that for a minute. Uh, but basically just emphasize that God put civil government, the role of civil government. He, he established that. Number two, what are the Christians' obligations to civil government? Number three, would our obligations be different if our government turned out to be evil like Nazi Germany, for yep. instance? Right. Number four, can and should Christians vote in elections? That's a good one. And number five, is it right for civil governments to impose capital punishment? Those last couple things are sort of controversial topics, especially the last one about capital punishment. And we'll look to see what uh, the Bible says about those. Again, three ways you can comment on the program if you're listening to us live tonight. Questions at collegeview.com is the email address. 877-381-4567 is the telephone number to use in the chat window, either from our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, or on your Facebook uh, page are the ways you can share your comments with other listeners tonight. Again, we'll look forward to your input and your comments on these important subjects tonight. So how do we uh, view government? What is our relationship to it? You know, it is clear from the Scriptures that God uh, ordains the powers that be, uh, as you referenced there, Romans 13, chapter chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, that uh, God has put government in place. He wants there to be government. You know, this, uh, this anarchy movement uh, that, uh, well, it's been around, I guess, forever, uh, that uh, that government's uh, a bad thing and that we need to get rid of government is uh, contrary to God's will. God wants there to be government. Yeah, he ordained it. But now, uh, again, let's back up just a little bit before we start into that and point out that we're, we're our understanding is that we're not a political action, com- political action committee. We're not trying to uh, promote a political agenda or anything like that. Uh, our, our interest is in serving God, faithfully doing his will, Jesus himself pointed out that his spiritual kingdom was not an earthly governmental power or kingdom. In John 18, beginning verse 33, uh, uh, when speaking to the Pilate, uh, notice Pilate entered the judgment hall again, called Jesus, said to him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered and said, Sayest thou this thing thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? 
Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priest have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from him. So there Jesus clearly showed that his spiritual kingdom, uh, that's that's his church, that's what we are part of as Christians, is not like a government of men, not like an earthly kingdom. Uh, and so there is that distinction. One time when he was asked about paying taxes in Mark chapter 12, verse 17, uh, Jesus said, Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God. Again, showing the distinction between the two things. So I, I think we want to point out before we go any further into a discussion about political matters that we do not... Uh, we do not have a political agenda to promote. We don't believe the church should be promoting a political agenda. We're not a political action committee. But we do have to, as individual Christians, we have to relate to the civil government. And I think the first point, as you suggested, Jacob, is to acknowledge that God ordained civil government. He wants government to exist, uh, and he establishes the, the power that they have. He uh, is the one who sets up their authority, gives them that authority. Now... It's interesting, uh, we look back in the Old Testament, that not only does God want there to be civil government, that God even has some interaction with the civil government, some influence on the civil government. And this is uh, getting into one of those areas where we don't know a whole lot. We do know that God has some uh, control over what goes on in government. In uh, Daniel chapter 4, uh, verse 17, this decree is by the decree of the watchers and the sentence by the word of the Holy One, in order that the living may know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, gives it to whomever he will, and sets over it the lowest of men. God is even to, and we don't know exactly how this happens, but God is even involved in setting up the rulers. Now, it doesn't say he sets up every ruler in that passage, but it does say that he has in the past, and no reason to believe that he doesn't currently have some control over who is established as so the God, leader God, the ruler. So uh, God has not only ordained the principle of civil government, but but he has some control over who is in control of civil government. But, but notice, even though God's in control and God can exercise control over who's in office, even those civil rulers are still free moral agents. Right. And so even in in the Old Testament times, in the nations of Judah and Israel, there were some really bad kings. Well, God brought punishment upon them. And he desired their repentance. And he desired their repentance. So it, it's not like God is putting people into positions who are robotically doing what he yeah. commands them to do. But he has ordained the general principle of civil government, and he regulates the, the affairs of civil governments. To what extent, we don't know. How he accomplishes that, we don't know. But there's the principle there that he does have some regulation of what's going on. Yeah. Uh, in Romans chapter 13, beginning verse 1, Let every soul be subject to the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. I'm particularly interested in that expression, Jacob. The powers that be are ordained of God. Yeah. And again, as I was suggesting earlier, a, a, a question that comes up is, well, what about something like Hitler's Germany? You know, Hitler was a bad guy. He murdered lots of people. Uh, Stalin in in Russia, uh, Mao Zedong in China. I mean. We're talking about the murderers of millions of people, but they were they were 
at that moment in time, they were in control of the civil governments of their nations. How do we, how do we reconcile all of that evil that's been done? Not just, and those are just, you know, 20th century events. Mm-hmm. Well, there's been events similar to those all through the centuries. How do we deal with the fact that God, it says the powers that be are ordained of God, but then we got some really bad people in positions of authority. Josh, you want to take a shot at that? Sure. Oh, you okay? All right. Um, well, so I think I think along the lines of what Greg already said, you know, uh, God plays a part in putting the ones that are in charge in charge, but they still have the ability to choose what they do. And a lot of times, just like you mentioned in the Old Testament, you know, uh, God would choose who'd be king. Well, then they would make poor decisions, and then consequences would come upon them. Right. Sometimes they'd make good decisions. Okay, but so. When people bring up like a like a Hitler and say, "Well, is that is that did God put him in there and he did all those things and that's what God wanted to happen?" Uh, you know, we can't say that Hitler made all those decisions on his own. Yeah, right. you know, one way that I've heard this explained, and I think it's a pretty good explanation, and I think people can see the parallel. God ordained the marriage institution. Right. I think everybody right. agrees to that. Right. We can go back to Genesis chapter two. We can talk about God instituting the marriage relationship. Right. So God ordained marriage. There's some bad husbands out there. There's some abusive, mean, negligent uh, husbands. Well, does that mean that God approved that because he instituted marriage, therefore he approves somebody who abuses what he ordained as a good thing? No. And in the same way, God ordained civil governments for a purpose. Do some bad guys get in civil government and abuse the purpose? Yes, but that doesn't that does not negate the fact that God set up the plan. He set up the the the, the ideal. Right, right. And uh, well, and we do know that God has used evil people to accomplish His will in the past. And so, there you know, some of the evil rulers. And we don't know. We again, we don't understand all this. But God could be using evil rulers to accomplish what He wants accomplished. Uh, and so lots of things to consider there and a lot of things we just don't fully understand. We need to get a break. When we get back, we'll continue the discussion. What about the Christian's responsibility to civil government? Uh, we know that God has established civil government. The, clear, the scriptures are clear on that point. Then what is our responsibility? What is our obligation to civil government? And uh, those obligations might surprise you, maybe a little bit different than what you may think and uh, maybe a little bit uncomfortable. We'll get those discussions underway right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this. Hello, everyone. I'm Wade Shelton, a member of the College View Church of Christ. If you're like me, you've probably heard a lot of rumors about what the Church of Christ is all about. But regardless of what the rumors you may have heard, let me just quickly tell you what we are about. The College View Church of Christ is simply a group of Christians that is committed to doing everything that God has commanded us in exactly the way that he commanded us to do it. So we just simply open our Bibles and study them to determine what God has commanded us to do, and then we try to do it. It's just really that simple. Are you interested in being part of a group of people who have this approach to serving God? If so, I hope you will join me and my family as we worship God with the College View Church of Christ this Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Here's some quotes worth pondering. The man who lives for himself is in a very small business. One kind of enemy is the friend who doesn't oppose you when you're wrong. Man, wish I'd said that. A streaming Bible study. 
Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. And we're back on the program tonight as we talk about the civil government and the Christian's responsibility to it. We look forward to hearing from you. Send those comments in the chat room if you're watching us from the virtualbiblestudy.com or on Facebook. We'll look for those comments there as well. As we talk about our responsibility uh, to the civil government. Um, let's lots, talk about that, Jacob. Let's, of, yeah, let's, just, let's just dive right into what the Bible says, our obligations. You know, I think a lot of people are more worried about what's the government doing for me and not paying a lot of attention about what is my obligation to the civil Certainly. government. Certainly, and those responsibilities are not uh, few. There are many responsibilities yeah. that we have. The first of them is very simply that we're to honor government officials. Yeah. In First Peter 2, verse 17 it says, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Yeah. And so uh, we should show a degree of respect and honor to those who are in positions of authority over us in the civil government. That verse, 1 Peter 2, verse 17, clearly teaches that. And I think that's a, a, a pretty big challenge for yeah. us uh, in the United States because we, we have freedom of speech guaranteed in the Constitution. And sometimes I think that causes us to maybe be disrespectful and dishonoring of those that we're supposed to be honoring. We've got to be careful about that. It's a very difficult uh, thing because, as you said, the, we have freedom of speech, and people are using that freedom of speech, trying to influence your thinking in a negative way to the leaders that God has ordained uh, there be. Uh, not necessarily to the individual, we don't know, but he's ordained the government be there. And so those around us that work, even in the newspaper, the editorial cartoons are trying to get you to think negative things about uh, the leader over us that we're supposed to be honoring. Yeah. Sometimes I listen to uh, talk radio, uh, and, and there, there's some national programs, but we also had some local ones out of Nashville here in Middle Tennessee. And one of the guys that's on there, and I just have to turn it off pretty often because he'll he'll be talking about somebody in our state government or he'd be talking about somebody in washington uh, especially the previous president he disliked intensely and he would frequently call him a moron yeah well i don't think that's appropriate for no. us as christians we well, it's not dis- appropriate to call anybody a moron but let right. alone the, the president yeah. uh, we can disagree with the president politically but we still are obligated as christians to show honor yeah and so that's a that's a tightrope for us to, you know, if we lived in a country where we didn't have freedom of speech, it might be a little easier. But since we have freedom of speech, it calls upon us to use great discretion and be careful what we say. And show be careful about the some of the comedy, the satire that uh, people are making of the president. Yeah. Uh, we've got to honor the king. Josh? Yeah, I, I agree with you guys. I think uh, a lot of times we've got people making fun of the way they look, you know, the way the way they talk and every every word, you know, they're just looking for them to mess up so they can make fun of them. And I think that doesn't show respect at all. All right. Now, but wait a minute. And, and, the new, and our new president, it, of course, it, the political environment in Washington, D.C. has just turned 180 degrees. But now the ones who used to be made fun of are the ones who are making fun of the current president. Yeah. And But, I, again, I think in, in very disrespectful ways, and, and that that's a problem. And we've got to be careful about that. Now, it's important that you honor the king when he's honorable, right? So so if the king is or the president's making stupid decisions, it's okay to call him stupid and, and, and make fun of him and run him down, right? Well, that's what people do. But it's not, there's no caveats there. Yeah. It doesn't say honor the king if he's a good guy. Yeah. If he cuts taxes, 
if he's, he's if he's if he's lining up with my political opinions right. exactly, then I'll honor him. If he has the same trade policy I have, yeah. No, there's it's just honor the king. And this was given in a time when the king was doing some very the, the, very yeah. despicable things. Yeah, remember that these instructions were penned in the first century under the yeah. Roman Empire, and the Roman Empire was at that very time was intensely corrupt. Yeah. A lot of horrible stuff going on at high government. Levels burning Christians at the stake, but they were still to honor the king, crucifying them. Yeah, and they so, still honor the king. So, so first, absolute. first obligation, and I think in our day and time, uh, we got to work hard at that because uh, it, it seems you know uh, all these protesters, you know, um, even smashing uh, storefront windows and burning cars and 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 hanging political officials in effigy and. Yeah. And all that that is obviously completely out of bounds in general, but it's certainly out of bounds for us as Christians. But it's but so is uh, perhaps some of the jokes we might want to tell about the president yeah. or some of the things we might t- think are humorous to, to ridicule and run down the president. That's not honoring the king. We've got to be careful about that, yeah. uh, regardless of he's a good guy or he's not. I agree with him or not. I'm told I need to be honoring the king. And so it's important that we do that. You know, you talk about how hard it is. I don't know that it's any harder today than it would have been back in the first century. You know, the king just hauled off Joe from church and I, I heard he was going to be thrown to the lions. Uh, you know, I mean, that's well, what, I, my only observation there was I think it's a little harder for us because we are guaranteed right. freedom of speech. Right. You know, if and I so, knew that if I said something ugly about the president, they'd come and throw me in jail. I'd probably be more careful about what I said about the president. That's true. A little more self-control, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. But more it, self-control is required now. In my outward action, but in my thoughts, it, yeah. it may be easier today because they're not uh, doing some of the despicable things they were doing back then. Yeah. All right. Let us hear your thoughts. We want to hear from you tonight on the program. All right. I think a second thing. This is this is very practical and maybe too much overlooked. A second thing that we are obligated or instructed to do relative to civil government is to pray for civil government. Yeah. First uh, Timothy 2, beginning verse 1, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. So we're to pray. We're instructed to pray. And I wonder how many Christians do that. I, I think that's something we ought to do every day as we engage our Father in prayer. We need to include prayers for our governmental leaders. And notice, not that the economy will do That's good, right. not that there'll be lots of good, high-paying jobs. Uh, no, rather that we can lead quiet and peaceful lives in all godliness and honesty. So we, it, it's especially that our government leaders will make decisions and put people into positions of authority that will help assure uh, uh, a calm, moral environment for us to serve God. That, that, that's the that's the principal thing we need to be praying. That's on. right, because our citizenship is in heaven, and our priority is on those things that are spiritual. And so that needs to be our ultimate goal in our prayers for the for the king. Uh, that uh, they will make decisions that allow us to live godly and peaceful lives. That's what's most important. What yeah. happens in our on our job with our investments uh, in the world political arena really are pale in comparison to that one uh, ultimate goal that we have. Exactly right. Okay. Um, so. Honor the king, pray for governmental leaders, 
another word that we would throw in the mix, Jacob, is that we're obligated to be in subjection to the government. I would go back to that Romans 13 text, beginning verse 1. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there's no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. So be subject to them. Uh, and, and I think that would closely be linked to the idea of being obedient to what they tell us to do. We're subject to them. We submit to them. We obey them. First Peter 2, verse 13, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. So we submit. We're subject to them. We obey. Notice, and it says obey every ordinance that they put out there. You know, it's not just the ones that I like, but it's the ones that I don't like. You know, I, I don't like paying taxes. So I'm not going to do that one. Yeah. You know, no, uh, I've got to pay the taxes. If that's what the that's what the governor has ordained, and that's what I've got to do. I'm to be subject to every ordinance of man. And I can't believe they set the speed limit at 30 miles an hour on that road. That's ridiculous. That's just that one stretch I can't road. It just that. drives me I, crazy. Yeah, I'm I, I'm just not going to do that one. No, every ordinance. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, my kids like to shoot fireworks on the 4th of July. And I don't know, those fuddy-duddies up in city council made a law that uh, we can't have fireworks in the city, for crying out loud. But they're not enforcing it. And I think I get away with it. I'm going to let the kids shoot off a few fireworks. Yeah. No. Uh, the, the, every ordinance is exactly that. Every ordinance. Man, even the ones I like, the ones I don't like. Uh, you know, I remember, I remember one, and I don't guess we see those bumper stickers anymore, but... Uh, you remember the bumper stickers, my president is Charlton Heston? Yeah. You remember that? Yeah. A lot of you know, gun-toting folks. And, you know, that's that's my president. And church-going gun-toting folks. Uh, my president is Charlton. That's not what Romans chapter 13 is telling me. Yeah. i got to be subject to the higher power. Yeah, and again, I think this is real challenging for us in America. It wouldn't be so challenging maybe for us if we grew up in a totalitarian state. Right. But we've grown up in a land of freedom. And so we we value our personal freedoms, and and we would we would really. What if they came, for instance? And we've some of us have talked about this before. What if they came and said, "You got to turn in your guns, turn in your guns." Well, well, someone says, "Well, they can't do that. It's it's protected by the Constitution." Well, they changed the Constitution, so they changed the Constitution. Said we can't own guns. Well, they're not getting my gun. They're just not going to get my guns. I'm not going to give up my guns. Well, then you wouldn't be doing what this says. That's exactly you? right. You know, if that became the law, and it's not the law now, and they'd have to do some dramatic changing to make it yeah. the law. But if they made it the law, a Christian would have to submit to that. Right. Uh, uh, we've got to be in submission. If if it makes sense to us, if we like it, if it's convenient, if it doesn't make sense to us, whatever the case, we've got to be in submission. And, and, and the reason why, I think, is stated in Romans 13, verse 5. Wherefore, we must needs be subject not only for wrath. In other words, not only because he might come and punish me. Right. But also for conscience sake. What's that mean? That means I got to do it to be right with God. And, even if I'm not going to get caught. Even if I'm not going to get caught. All yeah. right. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. When we get back, we need to take a break. When we get back. Does that mean that I've got to pay my taxes here in about six weeks? Oh, man. I hate to even think about having to do all those tax forms. But, yeah. All right. Let's talk about that when we get back. All right. When we get back, we'll talk about that. Don't go anywhere. We'll get this week's bullet point and get your comments right after this.
Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. When it comes to sports, we do it. In business, we do it. In almost every field of endeavor, we look for role models. We try to find others who have been successful, and then we imitate them. God's Word tells us to do the same thing in spiritual matters. The best role models are found right in the Scriptures. Jesus is the ultimate example. Quote, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow in his steps. 1 Peter 2, verse 21. Other great heroes of faith serve as good role models too. Paul urged us to be, quote, followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 11 is full of examples of faithful men and women who serve as worthy patterns for us to imitate. Beyond these champions of the Bible, let us suggest that we can also look to our own brethren. In any church, there are faithful, zealous, devoted Christians who are working hard to live for the Lord. They resist temptation, spread the word, encourage others, and generally work tirelessly to do His will. Look to them. Imitate them. Paul encouraged this approach. Quote, Brethren, be ye followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. Philippians 3, verse 17. We know this method works in the material world. We look for winners, and we imitate them. Let's do the same thing when it comes to our most important endeavor serving God. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Jim Meisner. I worship at the Church of Christ in Deckerville, Michigan. Be sure to listen to the virtual Bible study and watch it. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program as we talk about the Christian's responsibility to government, and we're glad you're listening to us tonight. I want to remind you this program is brought to you by the College U Church of Christ. Find out more about us by visiting our website, where you can find out more information about where we meet and the times of our meeting collegeview.com or thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Also find how to podcast uh, sermons that have been presented to the College of Church of Christ. Find it all at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. We welcome your comments anytime. If you have questions or comments about something you've heard, questions at collegeview.com, and use that email address to make a suggestion for a future topic of the Virtual Bible Study. We look forward to hearing from you. As we talk about the Christian's responsibility to civil government on the program tonight, we talked about being, subjection, being in subjection to government. We've got a comment on Facebook from Kyle who says the Romans committed many atrocities against Christians, but they were still required to submit. Yet the church thrived and eventually contributed to Rome's fall. All right. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't rise up in armed rebellion. But what they did is they just kept living righteous lives, even under strict persecution. Good point, Kyle. You know, it's interesting. God never suggested revolt against that wicked, tyrannical government. Yeah. He's, Jesus didn't, you know, Jesus said, if, if my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight? But they're not fighting because my kingdom is not of this world. Philippians chapter 3 verse 20 says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, so we are, uh, we've got a unique relationship here to the government and an obligation to be honoring them and be in submission to them and obedient to every ordinance of man. Uh, and that is uh, for wrath's sake, not only, but also for conscience' sake. We've got to be obedient. Now, let's uh, talk about this tax yeah, business. This tax thing, it's looming. How's it looking for you, Josh? Uh, we made any progress there yet? No, scary business. I hadn't even thought about oh, it. Okay. <laughs> All right, you've got to start thinking about it. I'm usually one of those last-minute guys. I, yeah, I just put it off and put it off. But, but we've got to do it. Jesus, of course, himself was directly asked the question in Luke chapter 20, beginning verse 22. Is it lawful for us to give tribute unto Caesar or no? But he perceived their craftiness and said to them, why tempt ye me? Show me a penny. 
Whose image and superscription hath it? They answered and said, Caesar's. And he said to them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which be Caesar's, and unto God the things which be God's. So Jesus, you know, and again, that was a really wicked, corrupt, but they were, sometimes I've actually heard Christians make the argument, I'm not going to pay my taxes because they're taking some of my tax dollars and they're doing stuff with it that I don't want them to be doing. Stuff, for instance, I think the classic example is they're, they're using some of my tax dollars to fund abortions. And I'm way against abortion. Right. So I'm not going to pay my taxes. Well, the principle Jesus set forth here overrides that objection. In other words, Rome was doing a lot of bad stuff with the money they gained by taxation. But he didn't, he didn't qualify that. He said, you pay. Now that, that burden would be then upon the government officials who are using that money in un, unrighteous ways. But for me as a Christian, my job is to pay. All right. 877-381-4567. What do you think about that? Are we obligated to pay our taxes? Now I gotta ask you this. If I've got to pay my taxes, that's, uh, that's the law. I mean, well, that's the rule from God. Does that dictate then the attitude I ought to have about paying my taxes? What if I had the same attitude that I might be tempted to have about paying my taxes? What if I had that attitude about worshiping God on Sunday? You do it because you have to, but you don't uh, like it. Got to go to church on Sunday. I don't oh, know. And I this, never really this thought about that. Supper, you, you, are you, are this you is actually a drag. Seen... I can't believe it. I'm just dreading this. I, this is just such a burden to have to... Uh, what do you think about Are that? you actually suggesting we have to be happy about paying taxes? <laughs> well, I don't know that you have to be happy necessarily about paying the taxes, but you ought to be happy about obeying the command, yeah. at least. Okay. I mean, I don't think, I think you need to work on your attitude. And, and quite frankly, we're told to do all things without murmuring and complaining. Yeah. So it makes, and it makes absolutely no difference if I'm going to be happy or if I'm going to be sad about paying the taxes. I ought to maybe check my attitude at the door there and... Uh, just go with the flow and do what God said to do. Romans 13, verse 6, beginning, For this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers, con- attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Yep. So i got to do it. we got to do it. And, and really, I should, as you say, I should do it without murmuring and complaining. You know, the fact of the matter is, although we're taxed, I think taxes are pretty burdensome, uh, but... On the other hand, you know, we gain great benefits by the by what we the taxes we pay. And I don't want to be an advocate for high taxes, but how much would you be, how much would people in other countries be willing to pay cars where they can drive down the road and not worry about what's going to happen to them? Yeah. Not worry about who's going to break in the front door and want to take all their stuff. That not worried about what neighbors going to attack them. We're crying out loud. Yeah, we, we, get, are we, getting we, we are very blessed, and yep. we should not be so grousy about paying the taxes. Okay, just remember that, Josh. I, okay, <laughs> I'll, give you, I'll give you this option then. You can move to outer Timbuktu, where there is effectively almost no government at all. They have no taxes because the place is, is in such total anarchy that nobody can collect taxes. <laughs> so you can go there, and you can live there, and you, you won't have to pay any taxes. They, right. they don't collect taxes. Right. You can go there or you can live here and pay your taxes. Right. Which do you want? Right. I'll pay. I'll and pay. still have more money after you're done paying taxes than yeah. they'll probably ever see in their whole life. Yeah. From that. Yeah. So, yeah. It's a. All right. Now, we got to talk about one major caveat to this business of, of obeying the government. And that is if the civil government would instruct us to do something in contradiction to the will of God. 
And that's that's where we've got to we've got to draw the line. I'm going to I'm going to submit and I'm going to obey civil government up to the point where they would instruct me to violate the will of God. And the principle uh, that we're basing that on is in Acts chapter five, beginning verse twenty seven. When they brought them, they set them before the council, talking about the apostles. And the high priest asked them, saying, did not, we straight, did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. So they set forth a, 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 an eternal principle there. We must obey a God. We must obey God rather than men. So if the government passed a rule that says you can't worship God on Sundays... What are you going to do? Yeah. You're going to worship God, right? Yeah. Because, you know, it's it's sort of like Daniel in the Old Testament. Remember when the king was tricked into putting forth a, an ordinance that said you can't pray to anybody but the king for the next 30 days. Well, Daniel, who himself was in the government, a high-ranking government official, he wasn't going to obey that command. He continued, it says, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he continued praying to God. And those guys who set up the rule knew that he would do that, and they actually did it to catch him in this. But Daniel obeyed the principle that that the apostles repeated there in Acts chapter 5. When man's law contradicts God's law, you obey God's law. And that they weren't looking for a loophole. This wasn't a loophole to get them out of obeying the ordinance of man. It was when it was in direct opposition to what God had said, and the only way uh, to conform with the law of man would have been to violate the law of god you know a lot of people i think look use that as a loophole or want to use that as a loophole for instance dad i think you know some folks who don't pay social security taxes because well god said i'm supposed to be a good steward and that's not being a good steward so i'm not going to do it yeah a loophole yeah and i don't think it's a very good one. or perhaps maybe the state says you can worship god on sunday but it can't be before noon does that mean well we can Come worship God before noon on Sunday because you got to obey God rather than no. If we can obey the laws of man, we need to be obeying the laws of God, uh, man, even uh, if it may even have, put inconveniences. Inconveniences us. It's not a loophole. It's only when those laws are in direct opposition to what God has said. All right. I, I got a uh, uh, note in uh, on the Facebook uh, comment from Josh, who's in Jackson, Tennessee tonight. I think he said, Thank you, Josh. We should be thankful we have the ability to work to earn enough. To have to pay taxes on, which is another way to look at it, All I right. think. A good op- opportunity for us to challenge our uh, thoughts and our attitude here as we have to pay these taxes. And got to get started on those before long, Josh. Uh, don't want the, them to come knocking on your door. So uh, uh, this this goes to the one of the questions that we ask. And I got an email comment from uh, Ramona. Uh, Ramona's a regular listener to the virtual Bible study. And I asked, what would we do if our government was evil? Uh, she references uh, Romans 13, verses 1 and 2, uh, about being subject. Uh, but then she says, the thing that is apparent from these verses is that the Christians should not have a rebellious, antagonistic attitude toward our leaders. Nothing happens that God does not authorize. Therefore, those politicians who are in power are there because God has allowed it. History has shown that generally a people who are following God will have good leaders, whereas a people who reject God will have ungodly leaders. I think that's probably true. I think the influence of good people does at least help to influence to have good leaders. Yeah. Uh, but whether or not the leaders are good or bad, we obey them up to the point that they would instruct us to disobey God. Right, right, absolutely. 
Uh, and we need to be influencing our government, but uh, sometimes that influencing does not work. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. And use those chat windows tonight. We look forward to hearing from you. All right. Uh, we ask, uh, the, uh, the last couple of things we got on our agenda to talk about, a, a couple of particulars in regards to, uh, I think we've talked about the, the, the overriding principles that regulate how we uh, deal with civil government as Christians. But a couple of particulars I think use, uh, come up pretty often. One of them is the matter of voting. And we asked the question on our update list, can we, should we as Christians, should we be voting? I don't know if everybody who's listening is aware of the fact that there there are some religious groups who teach that their people should not vote. The Jehovah's Witnesses, for instance, instruct their people not to vote in elections. And there are others as well. There have been some names in history that some of our listeners will uh, be familiar with who taught that Christians should not engage in that way. David Lipscomb, who was a preacher in the Church of Christ here in Middle Tennessee, uh Back in, in a previous century, uh, he, he took that position. Uh, we, I got an email from Keith in yeah. Hendersonville, and he said, uh, I've had numerous discussions recently with brethren all over the place on this issue. I remember back years ago reading Brother Lipscomb's book on civil government. He made compelling arguments, but in the end, I believe the Christian is part of two worlds, the physical and the spiritual. Considering the extension of government these days, Lipscomb would have to take the position that one could not be a school teacher in a public school because you would be an agent of the government. I don't know. I don't know how Lipscomb would answer that. But the point we're making is that there have been people historically and even currently who say that we should not vote. Uh, what, what do you think the Bible says about that? All right. Does the Bible say anything about that? Uh, we look forward to hearing from you on the program tonight. How about you, Josh? Uh, what do you think? Can we vote? Should we vote? What's, uh, where do you go on that? Well, I think um, that we've got a, a right as a citizen to to vote, uh, to voice our opinion. So as long as it doesn't oppose God's will, if we've got a right from our government, and and I think we do, and I think there's examples of of in the New Testament, Paul did that. He exercised his right on more than one occasion. Uh, um, you know, he appealed to Caesar. Um, so I think we can exercise our rights. I think we've got an example. Okay. Uh, in the New Testament of that. All right. What do you think? All right. Um, yeah, I think that's a good example, uh, Josh. Um, Acts 25, verses 10 and 11. Yeah. Uh, re- remember the episode there was that he knew there was a plot against his life. And and if he had done what was being suggested, he knew they would give some assassins a chance to, to do him in. And so he appealed his case to Caesar. Uh uh, uh, the the familiar statement there in Acts twenty five verse ten, Paul said, "I stand at Caesar's judgment seat, where I ought to be judged. The Jew to the Jews, I've done no wrong, as thou very well knowest. If I be an offender or have committed anything worthy of death, I refuse not to die. But if there be none of these things where these accuse me, no man may deliver me unto them. I appeal to Caesar." That's not the only time he did that. I remember another episode in Acts chapter sixteen when he was thrown in prison in Philippi. And beaten, he was severely beaten along with Silas and thrown in prison. And when they came 
the the next day, he let it be known that he was a Roman citizen. The Roman citizens had rights, and his rights had been violated. They needed to come get him out of prison. And he, and he insisted that they acknowledge that he had been wronged yeah. as a Roman citizen. So I think it's 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 appropriate for us to exercise our our rights as citizens. Right. Uh, I have a right to be protected, you know, against uh, criminals. Uh, I I I have a right to expect that. A criminal who did do me harm would be hunted down, arrested, and prosecuted by the civil authority. I have those rights. Those those are within the expectation. So I think that same principle goes on to apply to the right of voting. We have a right. Not everybody in the world has that right, but we have that right. That's just one of the rights that we have living in the good place where we live. And so we can we can exercise our rights that the civil government gives us, again, so long as they don't contradict God's law. Okay. We're going to get a break, and when we get back, uh, we're going to continue the discussion. Well, we can vote. Does that mean we should? Okay. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. All right, good. I think that's a good distinction to make. Let's talk about that we'll when we get back. We'll talk about that when we get back. Don't go anywhere. We'll go to the top of the hour. Right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the virtual Bible study right after these important messages. Hello, everyone. I'm Monty, a member of the College View Church of Christ. So you've been hearing all about the College View Church of Christ on the virtual Bible study and are interested in finding out more about the church. But you live hundreds of miles away from Columbia, Tennessee, and can't come and visit with the congregation to find out more. There's no reason to fear. After all, we live in the 21st century. Here's what you can do to find out more about the College View Church of Christ. First, why don't you check out our website while you're listening to the virtual Bible study. You'll find important information about the church there, including bulletin articles there on various subjects, and can even listen to sermons that have been presented at the College View Church in the past. Secondly, if you have questions about the church or about any Bible teaching, why don't you send an email to us and let us know how we can help. Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. That address, once again, is questions at collegeview.com. We can even have a personal Bible study with you over email if you desire. And finally, if you would rather talk with someone in person, give us a call at 931-4567. That's 931-381-4567. You can call this number anytime. If you don't get an answer, leave a message and we'll call you back as soon as we can. We're glad you're listening to the virtual Bible study and hope to hear from you soon. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. One of the arguments commonly offered by abortion advocates is the argument that abortions must be allowed because of pregnancies where the mother's life is at risk. In reality, this is a very rare danger in our time. In 1972, of course, that's the year prior to the infamous Roe v. Wade decision that legalized abortion nationwide. The National Center for Health Statistics reported that there were only 780 maternal deaths in the United States. And that number included some deaths that occurred during failed abortions. It's shocking to realize that millions of unborn babies have died due to a flawed argument about the mother's health. That information is via the Gospel Coalition. The Word of God says in Proverbs 6, beginning verse 16, These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. 
Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. We're back on the program, going to the top of the hour, talking about uh, the Christian and his responsibility to civil government. Now, we talked about voting, and we established the fact that you are at liberty to exercise your rights as a citizen. One of those rights would be the right to vote. Should and, and, you vote? Yeah, so you can I think I think you're authorized as a Christian to vote. The, the follow-up question is, do you think you should then? If you can, should you? And I'm going to say yes on the basis of using every opportunity to exert an influence for good in the world, to be salt and light. We won't take time to read the very familiar text of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 13 through 16. You're the salt of the earth. Let your light shine, that sort of thing. And so uh, as the people of God... This is in the place where we live. It's not so everywhere, but in the place where we live, we have a, a an opportunity to exercise an influence for good and to hopefully put into position of political power those who will bring about changes that will make our society more moral and righteous. So I'm going to say yes, based upon the salt and light principle of Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Well, that uh, goes along with what Ramona sent in her email. Ramona, thank you for your comments tonight. She said, every Christian should vote and to vote for leaders who promote Christian principles. God is most certainly in control, but that does not mean we should do nothing to further his will. We are commanded to pray for our leaders, First Timothy 2, 1 through 4. In terms of politics and leadership, there is evidence in Scripture that God has been displeased with our choices of leadership at times. Hosea chapter 8, verse 4. Now, Ramona makes an interesting comment. We we need to be doing our part to elect leaders who stand for godly principles. But, you know, Daniel's, the book of Daniel said that God is in control. So is it possible that I could be voting against God? Uh, you know, is God is maybe God wants uh, leader X to be elected, and I vote for leader Y. Uh, am I voting against God? Well, I think what we've got to do is just make our best judgment as to, as to who would, would produce a moral, righteous outcome. And we've got to do that. And, and then we'll, we'll leave that in the hands of God. We, all we can do is what we know to do. And uh, God's will, God will accomplish his God's will. God's going to bring about his will one way or the other. But he does want us to be salt and light. Josh, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I was going to say, you know, it really doesn't matter who we vote for. If, if God wants a certain candidate to be in there, that's the one that's going to be in there. So... We're not going to be able to, you know. But he, but trick, but um, on the other hand, he, he he may be using us to put in the true. candidate that he wants, and so all we can do is we we can't whittle on God's end of the stick. All we can do is take care of our our business, and our business is to vote for candidates that will hopefully promote righteousness. That's that's about all we can do. All right. Okay, we got one more topic we want to discuss, and that has to do with capital punishment. But before we do that, I want to back up. I uh, uh, about missed a couple comments in, uh, on the Facebook uh, comment page from David. I think David's in Kansas City, uh, and he asked, what do you do? You know, we talked about being subject to every ordinance of man. He says, what do you do in instances where there are contradictory laws? Not federal law trumping state law, but rather two laws on the books that directly contradict one another. And he come, he says it's difficult to remain consistent in following every ordinance. I think that is a potential problem. And, of course, that's a shortcoming on man's part, not God's part. Uh, uh, and so let's say that there are laws on the books 
that contradict each other. Okay. In other words, one it says to do one thing in one place, but then and and, and sometimes that happens because there are, are laws on the books that were there 150 years ago, and and they've never been taken off the books. You know, is you know you 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 can't you can't uh, hitch your horse on the south side of the square downtown. Well, nobody's got a horse on the south side of the square downtown anymore. But you know, some of those old kind of laws have, have been left on the book. I, I guess we just got to make a good faith effort to do uh, what is expected of us by those who are enforcing the laws in those instances. And I, I, I think, I think that in the instance of it's probably pretty rare. I think we've got to make our best good faith effort to do what is expected of us. Uh, you know, that, that's the same question about the speed limit. You know, so I'm going out here, and the speed limit right out here is 40 miles per hour. Well, I've got to be making my best good faith effort to to run the speed limit. And and if there's a policeman sitting down there with a radar gun and he sees me doing 41 instead of 40, he's going to view me as a law-abiding citizen, you know, because the speedometers are not deadly accurate. And, and so, you know, if I'm doing 58 in a 40, he's going to, he's going to be saying, that guy is making no effort whatsoever to obey the law. I'm going to give him a ticket. Yeah, I think I've known Christians who use this idea of enforcement as a reason to um, to disobey the law and violate the law um, because they uh, say, well, God's not going to enforce it. So I want to com- I want to do this thing. It's against the law. Maybe it's texting and driving. For well, they don't enforce that. Yeah. Seatbelt belt law, they don't enforce that. In fact, they can't even pull you, well, at least you, they used to, they couldn't pull you over for that. So as long as I don't have some other moving violation, I'll, I'll be able to get away with that one. They're yeah. not going to enforce that. Yeah. No, you got to be, uh, you got to be, uh, submit for wrath and conscience sake, even if yeah. they're not, uh, enforcing it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, let's go on and, uh, uh, hit this last question. We've got just, uh, uh, have to do it pretty quick, but the question of capital punishment. Uh, what is what is the law about capital punishment? Should governments engage in capital punishment? Well, we several of the verses that we already been looking at uh, suggest that government has that sort of power. Yep. In First Peter two verse thirteen, submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the notice for the punishment of evil doers, and for the praise of them that do well. Yeah. One of the things that God wants civil government to do is punish evildoers. That's 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 a principal part of their assignment yep. uh, and a principal part of what God has ordained them to be doing. Now, the question is, how far would that go? How far would the punishment of evildoers go? Yeah. Would it include execution of criminal offenders? And I, th- I think the answer to that is, yes, it would. And a couple of arguments to be made. One is from Acts 25, where we already read, you know, Paul appealed his. Right. But he said there in Acts 25, verse 11, if I be an offender or have committed anything worthy of death, I refuse not to die. Yeah. But he says, if there if I've done none of those things, then I appeal to Caesar. Now, why would he say that if, if he had a problem with the. With capital punishment, why would he say he didn't? He said, they don't have a right to put me to death because God doesn't allow government to put people yeah. to death. I mean, there's no such thing as a death penalty, uh, capital offense. Because yeah. God doesn't want you to do that. No, he didn't. He didn't object. Yeah. So uh, again, I, I would use 
Acts 25, uh, verse 11, Paul's statement there to say that we, we uh, can practice capital, uh, governments can practice capital punishment. Then in Romans chapter 12, leading up to the discussion of civil governments in verse 13, Romans 12, beginning verse 19, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. That's Romans 12, 19. Now in that same context, as you get into chapter 13 at verse 4, he, the civil government, is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. So God says, you don't take vengeance. Vengeance is mine. I will repay. But in the same context, he says, and the tool I'll, one of the tools I'll use to, to execute vengeance on the evildoer is civil government. And the sword back then. And then he says, he bears not the sword in vain. Now, today, a soldier might bear a sword for decoration, just for the looks of it. That wasn't for decoration back in those days. That's they right. were using that. He beareth uh, not the sword in vain. To He's going to use capital a sword. Punishment. That, that's clearly talking about capital punishment. All right. And and really, that's really sort of been God's rule since way back in in early times. In Genesis nine verse six, uh, just after the flood. God said, Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. It's sort of always been that way with God, that that there are some crimes that deserve capital punishment, and civil governments are authorized to exercise capital punishment. I, it's always been rather surprising to me, because I think that's rather straightforward argumentation from the Scripture. It's always been somewhat surprising to me that that religious leaders oppose capital punishment. I've never quite understood how they could. It, I think it's a rather emotional argument rather than one that's founded in Scripture. And uh, Ramona says uh, tonight, she says, well, Paul instructs people not to seek their own revenge, but to give place to wrath. Paul then explains that the proper channel for wrath is the governing authorities. It's the place for wrath and vengeance. And she references what you did there, Romans 13, verses 1 and 3. Yeah. Rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. So yeah. they're to be punishing those who are doing evil. Yeah. All right. A good discussion on the program tonight. I think a necessary one. Again, as we said, we're just getting swamped with all kinds of political news. Uh, how should we view it as Christians? And, uh, Josh, um, an important uh, reminder for us that uh, we're not to be conformed to this world, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Uh, but we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And so uh, the society we live in is going to try and shape our mind and our thoughts and our attitudes towards government and our actions toward government. We've got to be transformed and renew our mind to make sure we're thinking about things the way God would have us to. Right. Yeah, we've got to be the salt and the light, right? Yeah. So that's a that's a tough challenge, but it's one that God calls us to, to do. Okay. All right. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Jacob. Yeah, thank you guys for a good discussion. Thank you, our listeners, for being out there. Again, we remind you, questions at collegeview.com is the email address to use. If you have any comments about what you heard on the program tonight or on any other program, or if you'd like to suggest a future topic for the virtual Bible study, or maybe you just got a question about a Bible subject you'd like to have answered, either in this format or in a personal private email. Send that in to questions at collegeview.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Thanks again for your time tonight, Dad and Josh. Enjoyed the discussion. And uh, we look forward to talking with you again this time next week. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it.
Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ, Mean Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the Internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.